end of the line. Episode 6, Megan. I'm so happy for you. No, I mean it. I really am delighted. Over the moon. Couldn't be more head over heels in love with the news that you got yourself knocked up. Growing humans inside other humans. <laughs> what will they think of next? I guess that's another girlfriend I won't see anymore. We'll pretend we will. No, of course I won't be one of those mums. We'll still be able to hang out. Yes, you will, and no, we won't. I'll forget its name for a start. God, I'm useless with names. Especially when the person in question can't even talk, let alone split the taxi fare home. And anyway, I'm not sure I can cope with all the questions you're beginning to ask me. If we're both knocked up or breastfeeding or whatever, then that's fine. We've got something in common, something to talk about. But if you're mit Kinder and I'm not, well, you'll ask me why I'm not. No, it's kind of you to pretend that nothing will change between us, but it's just not true. We both know how you'll start to look at me and what you'll begin asking me. You'll even say I'll change my mind. Thanks. I think I know my mind pretty well, thank you. Do you want to change your mind about that thing growing inside you? No. I didn't think so. You see, a long time ago I realised we were very different. It's funny how such a simple decision can make two people so utterly different. Now in your mind, I'm the abnormal one. Because in your mind, what you've decided is normal and what I've decided is not I'm happy for you, of course, but I don't believe what you're doing is normal. Nor do I believe what I'm doing is not normal. And that's why I know what you're going to ask me. Why am I not going to have kids? Now what you want to hear is that I'm not in a relationship, or that Jake and I have only been together for a few months, and it's way too early for all that. Or maybe that, hey... I'm 25. I've got years to work all of this out. And then all of a sudden, it will be 10 years from now, and you will have the best part of a football team living in your house, and Jake will have turned into Carlo, then into Paul, and then into those two brothers I never told you about, and then into Antonio, who you've never met yet. And that's when the questions will really start. You'll tell me that my time is running out. The clock is ticking. My clock. And that Antonio sounds ideal, even though you haven't met him and actually we split up two months ago. I just haven't told you yet because I haven't seen you in ages. So if we spend the next ten years going down this route, then you'll eventually think I'm weird. Indifferent. I'll be weird Aunt Megan, who can't remember the name of your kids. Or... Or... I tell you right now that I don't want the best part of a football team living in my house. And I certainly don't want something growing inside me. Because if I tell you that right now, you'll still think I'm weird. But at least I won't have to live in your... charade for the next ten years. Of course, there's a risk. A risk you'll react badly, and we won't see each other anymore. That could happen. But let's be honest, that will probably happen anyway. There's also a risk that you'll ask me if there's anything wrong with my plumbing. 
nothing wrong at all, but thanks for the hugely personal intrusion. You're definitely going to tell me you don't understand. That's definitely going to come up. As if my decision is some complex mathematical equation and not some simple life choice. And that's really what you don't get. That it's a choice. My choice. My body and my choice. I don't know how Jake feels about it. It hasn't come up yet. It will, of course. It's bound to come up. He'll choose what he thinks is the right moment. Or maybe drop it in casually, thinking I won't notice how he's oh so expertly moved on from talking about his sister's kids into wondering what sort of dad he would make. And how, oh God, there's loads of time to worry about that, isn't there? And that upward inflection will be my cue to declare my hand to confirm the availability of my body to house his seed. Except I won't. And we'll split up, which will be a shame, because he's cute and nice and kind and generous. I'll be sad for a while. But a few months with Carlo will snap me out of it until he introduces me to his family. His massive, several football teams worth of a family. And that's always the worst part. Meeting the family. Yes, no, I do, I really like your son so much, I just don't want to have his kids. It's not him, it, it's not personal. I just don't want to have kids. I appreciate that's a tough sell for you. You'll see it as some kind of statement about your son, and from the moment you process it, I will instantly be deemed not good enough for him. And how could I be? What uses daughter-in-law that can't produce a grandchild? You probably won't say all of that. Not to me, anyway, but we both know you'll think it. And start to count down the days until the inevitable happens and we break up. There's one in every family. And no doubt there's one in Carlos, too. Somewhere there will be a single, childless aunt. Someone you think doesn't notice the way you talk about her. The words you use to describe her. The questions you ask. And the ever-so-discernible pity that laces every conversation. Because what you've already decided is that she would have liked to have children. But for some reason it just didn't happen. You'll assume she's sad about it. That if she'd had her time over, she'd do it differently. It won't occur to you for a minute that she's at peace with the choices she made. That she spent a lifetime dodging your inevitable questions and has now reached the stage where it's obviously not going to happen. And so, you've stopped asking. And one day, I'll be old too. Just like her. And nobody will ask. But that's all in the future. My future. Not yours. Not yours. Not Jake's. Not Carlo's. Mine. So when you ask your inevitable question, I can be polite and lie, or I can be honest. So let me be honest. 
Every time you ask a woman why she doesn't have kids, she should be allowed to ask why you are such a fucking asshole. You say this is the end of the line, didn't you know? Megan was played by Victoria Emsley. The episode was written and directed by Mark Haywood. Production and editorial support by Hetty Hodgson. Music by Daisy Chute and Kerry Ann from The Herd Collective. The episode was recorded at The Sound Company in London and edited by Pocket Blockbuster. The End of the Line is an Ink Jockey production. But this is not the end of my line Didn't you know that I'm the one with the time It's not the end of the